Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Monday the 19th of February. Today, I'm joined by Christian Bland, who is a competition winner. Hey there, Christian. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you, Peter. How are you doing? Yeah, very good, thank you. Very good, thank you. So, um, right, so which um, story do you pick out from today's Watson's Daily then? I have chosen to pick out the story, Game Over, Industry Suffers Slowdown After Decades-Long Winning Streak, which was in the Financial Times yesterday. Yep. So this is a story about a what would probably be best to call a stagnation in the gaming industry. Mm -hmm. Looking at it from a macro perspective, we've got a report out from an analyst, Enders Analysis, which says that the overall gaming industry revenue last year was 1% increase. So when we consider inflation, we're looking in real terms at a slight decline in the sales that, uh, that, that we are seeing in gaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's two aspects to really think about here. On the one hand, we've got hardware, and the other, we've got mobile gaming. So mm. on the hardware side, we're sort of at a, a kind of one of those transition points you get in the hardware, where several companies um, such as Nintendo, we're waiting for them to bring out their new model and we're right at the end of the life of the current Switch model that they've got. Yep. Um, and, then, and then when we think about Sony, who have brought out the new PlayStation, they've actually cut their forecast by 5 million uh, mm-hmm. units for this year, which is quite a severe, quite a severe cut to think about um, when you think that these have only, got, have only got five years to really get their return on investment before a new model is going to be brought mm-hmm. out like Sony. So this is quite a significant drop to be to be cut to contending with yeah. then on the mobile side we've had a big decline since the pandemic period yeah. um we've seen pretty consistent declines around 15 to 20 percent in some years in in-app purchases and last year overall we saw a a slowdown of of two percent um although there is expected to be a potential turnaround um to to, to, mo- to quite modest uh to modest growth this year rather than an actual decline Yep. So on both fronts, we are looking at a quite a troubled place um, for the gaming industry and perhaps even a perfect storm. So mm-hmm. thinking about the future of, of this industry, uh, I think there's three things that we really need to talk about here. And I'd, I'd love to get you in on these. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is cloud gaming. Mm-hmm. So the shift from console to cloud gaming, whether that shift, has, that shift will, will ever take place and, and when that might be. Secondly, on the VR side, with the new Apple VR headsets. Um, mm-hmm. And then finally, it would be great to talk about this new deal between Disney and Epic Games and the potential uh, for gaming companies to diversify their revenue streams by agreeing these licensing deals with, with media companies. <clears throat> yeah. So shall we start with cloud gaming? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so we're currently looking at cloud gaming at being at 2% of the gaming markets, which... I think might surprise a lot of people, but it is a very low number when we compare it to stuff like music or cinema, where it, it, it's just substantially high and music could be around. Uh, when, you look at, when you look at Universal's revenue, it's, it's the, the, the business that licenses out the music. It, it is the bulk of them. So we've got a very slow growth in, in cloud gaming. Why do you think that is, Peter? Yeah, so I mean, I think with, with cloud gaming... Um... The main reason why 
that has not been up to expectation, I believe, is the is the slower than forecast rollout of 5G networks. And I think that uh, that was a function of two things. Um, that was a function of, one, um, the sort of um, clampdown on Huawei, you know, China's Huawei, uh, the, the, the role of Huawei in the rollout of 5G networks. So 5G, so Huawei was, was pretty big in, or has been pretty big in 5G networks. But then um, Trump in particular decided that actually that could be a security risk. So um, he then, <clears throat> sorry, he then said um, he basically went around the world slagging off Huawei um, and telling countries whoever would listen um don't use you know don't use them because they're a security risk and pretty much the whole of europe including the uk eventually said okay we won't um and obviously the us they didn't that caused a nightmare for huawei and it but it also slowed everything down because huawei mm. was was geared up for it um it had the right equipment um so that slowed it down then we had the pandemic and so i guess that priorities changed and it meant that actually 5g rollout wasn't as urgent as other things so i think that cloud gaming is the mainly the reason why cloud gaming hasn't taken off is 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 because 5g hasn't really because the whole reason for it the, the hopes for it was because um the speed of 5G would mean that you you don't need a console anymore to actually play these games because it can all be done on the cloud. Hmm. But what what do you think of that? Yes, I think that the that the quite slow rollout of 5G has definitely been a factor here. Hmm. Um, you definitely want a company like Huawei in the market because at the moment, with Huawei not being there, you mm -hmm. have this duopoly of Nokia and Ericsson who make the RAM, the core equipment that goes mm -hmm. into... 5g mm. telecom powers yeah. and it has been a slow process especially in the uk mm. uh, which has some of the slowest download load speeds in the g7 mm. so um we think so when we're thinking about the telecommunications side perhaps there's been a specific issue um mm. in in cloud gaming with with this 5g which was meant to be such a big thing mm. for gaming companies that was probably the main consumer benefit and it's just not quite translated. I would say on the other side, with the, the kind of the other real infrastructure you need with the data centers, mm -hmm. we do see a stronger, a, a stronger infrastructure presence there. Um, mm -hmm. we, we, we've got, we know that Microsoft are the big company at the moment that's really pushing cloud gaming because they mm -hmm. want to get their margins up but yeah. because they make better margins on their content, essentially. They do have a very strong data center business that, or a very strong cloud computing business. Mm -hmm. which they can draw on mm -hmm. um, in order to really push this forward. And I, th I think we will see them continuing to push very strongly for this because mm -hmm. they are, with, especially when we think about the recent acquisition of Activision Blizzard, yeah. which they've just added to their Game Pass, mm -hmm. they're going to want to start monetizing that quickly. Mm -hmm. And the best way for them to maximize their monetization is to do it through the cloud gaming sales. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. By the way, there was that other sort of slight, well, I mean, amusing um even at the time when remember people used to th there was there was all that thing where um whether people were burning down 5g masts um blaming oh, cool. them for the spread of uh 
COVID, for instance. Um, so, so there was that, <laughs> there was that little uh, thing as well. But, uh, but anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, so cloud gaming. Um, so should we move on to the VR thing then? Yes. Let's, yeah. Let's move on to VR. Yeah. Do you, do you I mean, want to go first? Peter? Yeah. So I mean, I think that the VR thing um, is interesting. I mean. I started Watson's Daily in its previous form called Watson's Wi-Fi in 2014. And I think even back then I was talking about virtual reality gaming being the next big thing, right? Virtual reality gaming has been in, has been the next big thing for a long, long time. And it's not quite happened. I still maintain that it is the next big development for gaming. I think that it is the natural, it will be the natural course of things. Um, and I think that, um, uh, you know, technological advances are leading towards that. So these, the um, VR headsets have improved a lot. You've got the Apple VR, you know, Apple Vision Pro, which has taken pricing to a new level. Um and you know the the possibilities are amazing. I mean, I've, I've again I've talked about this this thing called Virtuix um, Omni. Um, it's it's an American company, and basically they have this um, kind of setup um, where you've got like a base which is concave. You put these sort of slidery things over your shoes. You get into this concave thing. And you're um, attached via a, like this arm thing, and then you put on your virtual reality headgear, and you're in the game, and you can run around in the game. You crouch and jump and everything, but effect effectively, you're, you know, if someone is watching you play the game, you are effectively running on the spot. That's what you're doing because these slippy, slidey things on your shoes mean that you're not actually going anywhere. So, um, my point there is, is that you know, there's this thing where you can be really immersed. And, and I, you know, even here, I mean, I live in suburbia, right? And I live in Guildford and even down the road from here, in fact, probably not even 50 metres from where I'm sitting right now, there is a virtual reality gaming experience. I haven't done it yet, but you can do things like, you know, get chased by zombies. You can do all sorts of things like that. And I feel that there's, there's more readiness for um, virtual reality uh especially in the in the gaming um sense but um you know yeah i mean i think that that's that's um potentially um the next thing because at the moment we're kind of in the middle you know we we we've already had the ps5 we've got the you know the xbox uh, <laughs> those those are those have been out you know they've been out for a few years now um, I mean, to the extent that actually you can go and buy them <laughs> because, you know, for the first year or so, it was virtually impossible. Um, but now it's calmed down a bit. Um, and the only next, the next big console release is going to be Nintendo, what a Switch 2.0 or whatever yeah, they just, yeah. call it. So, you know, people might be waiting for that. So, so if you think of big things that could um, change, one of them is, is virtual reality. I would completely agree that virtual reality is a really important piece of the future. The costs are quite high at the moment. Oh, yeah. Like 5K <laughs> per headset. But I don't want to malign that business model too much because we know that those prices are inevitably going to come down. And as they do, I think we can expect a more mainstream adoption of, of this VR looking into the future. 
Mm. Um, I would also highly recommend that everyone checks out the video in today's Watson Daily of the sort of active VR headsets. It's very interesting, um, mm. sort of glimpse into what the future, what the future might look like. Um, mm. But yeah, I think we, I think the VR is definitely alongside cloud gaming a, an important piece of the future. And the final mm. thing that we just wanted to discuss was mm-hmm. the was the was the Disney deal with Epic. Mm. Mm-hmm. So this is a, an investment, essentially, in Epic mm-hmm. Games, and they'll sit alongside other shareholders in that company, such as Tencent. Mm-hmm. This is an important to think about in the context of Disney's business model, which is develop content and then exploit it across a whole layer of experiences, whether it be theme parks, whether it be in the cinema, whether it be mm-hmm. on their streaming service. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's definitely clear how Epic Games feeds into that. Um, and a parallel I wanted to bring in was the um, was Nintendo with their with their licensing of the Super Mario Brothers concept to mm-hmm. uh, which has doubled their IP revenues mm-hmm. um, last year. They doubled them from two hundred to four hundred mm-hmm. million. So there's definitely quite an exciting angle here for Epic as well in making mm-hmm. making a lot more out of their money. So I don't know what would be your take on that for the future of the gaming industry. Will it be will films well, games be important? Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, um, you know, uh, bringing bringing a, a cheesy comment into this, um, it, it it is in fact, I think, an epic deal, um, because I think that the, you know, the IP that Disney brings to the table, you know, your Mar- Marvel and Star Wars and and just mm. the whole, um, just endless possibilities for Epic, because I think in the past it seems to me that you know over the decades I've been all this stuff um you know it's a general pattern tends to form where you have a developer they 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 happen on an amazing game the game goes goes bananas everyone wants a piece of the action they get the developers get money thrown at them and then you know they then try to make another game they don't they don't manage to do it the share price goes you know, during this time as inevitably an IPO. Um, the share price then tanks completely, and then a big developer comes along and buys them. Either that, or they just let them die. So, mm-hmm. you know, but with this in this case, um, I think Epic has done really well because obviously it's still got Fortnite. It's still doing pretty well. Um, I think that um, actually in Epic's case, there's another thing it has. It has Unreal Engine, which is this toolkit toolkit for you know games developers, which is pretty amazing in itself. So they've still got that, but now they've got this Disney deal, and it's pretty sizable. So I think this is you know this is good news. Um, this is potentially, and I think that um, it will be good news for gaming as well because the prospects of having more exciting games from different franchises makes it good because that's the thing you need not only do you need maybe consoles and things but you need new reasons for people to buy the consoles or to buy the games um and so um and so if you let's say have a new superhero franchise game coming out that's everyone raves about that's fantastic so um so yeah so i i think that interesting to split it into cloud gaming virtual reality and the whole disney epic thing mm-hmm. definitely um i can see that the time is getting on so do you want to bring bring your story, your story yes on? i mean much much more mundane um <laughs> um but the um story that uh 
that I wanted to uh, to bring out today was the rather depressing story um, about potentially a, a hospitality business is closing down. Now, um, this is a story from the Times. Um, there was a joint survey uh, conducted by um, the, the, the some. Um, some of the biggest um, trade bodies representing the hospitality industry. And of course, it's going to be biased because they're not going to have a report and that says everything's great, you know, uh, nothing to see here. You know, obviously it's going to paint a dark picture. But having said that, I think with the number of um, uh, sort of, you know, companies going bust and things over the last few years, um, you know, it's not, it's, it's, it, well, I think it is reflected in this. And it basically, they said that 25% of venues, or, uh, you know, the, the respondents have, have run out of cash. They've got 29% of respondents said they've got less than three months worth of reserves, you know, um, left. Um, and what they want to do, these, these, so this is UK Hospitality, British Beer and Pub Association. British Institute of Innkeeping and Hospitality Ulster all got together and they um, they want a lower VAT rate or presumably even better would be like a suspension of it or something as per what happened um, during lockdown. Um, and I think that this is, you know, this is something that they need and, and uh, in order to carry on. And I think that it is something that the government may well decide that they they will do because <clears throat> i think if they don't um all these a lot of companies are going to go bust and i think because of because it's hospitality because people see these businesses because they go out to the pub they go out to restaurants although obviously less frequently than they may have done in the past they see it they feel it and I think that given that there's a, a there's a you know there's a potentially a um, election coming up, I think this is something that the government would be willing to get behind because it would be a popular move. I would have thought. But what do you think? Yes, I think it's um, it's definitely a balancing act for the government. Mm. When we think about the fact that they are looking at increase, we're looking at. Um, they're already wanting to cut public spending in order to give tax breaks, mm. and there's a lot of there's a lot of different pe- different industries calling for that tax break. If we mm. look, for instance, we could that we could look at the an article I read today about the London Stock Exchange that called for them to cut stamp duty. I think we could look at, mm. um, and I think that, that there are just so many different industries that would be calling for these sort of tax breaks. That if the government gives them to to, to the pubs. Where where are they going to be able to stop? How much other, how, how many other, how many other hospitality mm. or other businesses in the hospitality sector are going to start saying that they also need these VAT cuts to to, to survive, um, mm. which could become a real problem for the government. We think about the fact they've already got a credibility that is still strong but slightly reduced following the mini budget. They are not mm. going to want another repeat, uh, mm. another market breakout like they had with that. So I think. Mm. For the government, any VAT reduct I think it will be VAT reductions rather than suspensions. Mm. And I think they'll be, if they are there, they will be very minimal because they've got mm. so many other items on the agenda, whether it's tax breaks for R&D, whether it's this stamp duty issue, potentially. I, th- mm. I think we've got, I think there's just far too many pressing, pressing other pressing, pressing mm. issues for them to be able to offer that sort of tax break to the pubs. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll see, won't we? Because the thing is, I think that the um, the government was probably feeling quite pleased with themselves going into the end of the year with inflation, you know, mm-hmm. basically halving as per um, Sunak saying at the beginning of last year, saying he's going to halve inflation. And yes, the government had a role in that, um, as did obviously the Bank of England. Um, and it halves and every, there was all this feel good factor. The, the um, consumer confidence was, was returning or is returning. Business confidence is returning. Um, and then we heard last week that in, in actual fact, um, we had fallen into recession um, only at the moment shallow. It's only very slight, but it is recession nevertheless. Um, and so this coupled with um yeah well this this basically meant that actually there would be less money to play play with so mm. um so wiggle room for um uh jeremy actually you you know, use uh, there's less of a you can use to dish out tax um you know tax cuts and i wonder whether I personally think that because this is hospitality, it's the industry that it is. I think this is something that they feel would be a bit more of a crowd pleaser um, rather than, let's say, I don't know, putting more money into the steel industry, which has kind of been going down for years anyway. And it doesn't it doesn't affect as many people as obviously as, say, the hospitality industry. So, um <laughs> I mean, the government's going through. Um, I mean, I think at the moment, the way that the polls and things are going, it is Labour's election to lose. But there's still a lot of time between now and the election, so we shall see. I mean, I uh, as a, as an aside, I would suggest that if this current quarter turns out that we are in contraction again, I would say that the Conservatives have lost. Um, I still think that potentially if, let's say, this quarter has a freakish bounce, then the government's going to use that. They're going to use that and say, look, we're building up momentum. Yes, we did go into a slight bounce back. And here we go. You know, M&A inflation. Um, yes, yeah, so, um, interest rates come down. Feel good increases. They might, you know, they might be able to present a reasonable case going to the election. But going back to this now, I think that they will want a crowd pleaser. And I I would have thought that they would at least reduce um, VAT at this um, next budget to try to appeal to the voters. But I don't know. No, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on the budget for that. And as you say, there is definitely more of a crowd pleaser element to providing tax breaks for mm. consumer facing hospitality entities than yeah. for R&D or yeah. cutting stamp duty or yeah. trying to encourage companies to list on the London Stock Exchange. Yeah. There is definitely exactly. the side, it is definitely a more appealing option for them. I yeah. think in terms of where are they going to stand with the election, I definitely agree that if we see the continued decline in this quarter, um, it, it will be almost impossible. For them to, to go on to win the election. I think even if we see a strong showing in this quarter, when mm-hmm. you look at the polls at the moment, I think yeah. it is probably still nigh on impossible for them to make up that kind of deficit in less than a year. Yeah. But things do move quickly in politics. So Yeah, absolutely. Indeed. 
so there we go a very interesting day today so um thank you very much indeed christian for your thoughts today um thank you for having me on no problem and um thank you very much for listeners for listening and and giving us your time um very much appreciated um we shall be back for more tomorrow so many thanks bye <laughs>